The following sermon was delivered to Christ Central Church in order to further our knowledge and adoration of who God is. We pray that it displays the hope found in Christ and strengthens your faith in Him. Peter has been in the process of encouraging believers in their suffering. As we've walked systematically through this this letter, we have seen one of those encouragements. The last encouragement that, that Peter gave is that Christ is coming again. Peter says it in verse 7 this way, that the end of all things is at hand. What Peter means by that is that it could be at any moment that Jesus will return. The next event in the history of redemption is the return of Christ. And when he comes, he is bringing with him a righteous judgment. It is from this realization that Peter then lists Six ways that we are to live in light of the coming of Christ. So just want us to to get the the full picture here of what what Peter's doing. Christ is coming again. When he comes, he's bringing with him judgment. Because of that, the way that we live should change. The way that we live should look differently. And Peter lists at least six here that, that I see. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at the first two, and that is that we should be self-controlled and sober-minded. The next two, and those two work together, being self-controlled and sober-minded, you see them sort of paired together there in verse 7, the end of all things is at hand, therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded. The next two we looked at last week um, also work together. And they are living with love and hospitality. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sin. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Those were the verses we looked at last week and we learned some important things about love. I'll I'll just share with you um, what those were that we looked at. And that is the excellency of love. Peter says, above all, above all, that that love is excellent. It is the most excellent way. We saw the extent of love. Keep loving one another earnestly. That we are called as believers gathered together in a local church to keep loving one another earnestly. Here's what that means. One, it means our love one for another will be tested. If it wouldn't, Peter would not say that we need to keep loving one another. And that love that we have for one another must go to the end. That word there, earnestly, is the word used for a horse or a runner at the end of a race, stretching out to the finish line. That we're to love one another in a way that that continues, in a way that stretches us, in a way that lasts to the end. We also saw the effect of our love, that love covers a multitude of sins. And we talked about um, what that means, that when we love one another, 
We don't desire to expose one another in their sins, but we desire instead to come to follow Jesus' words in Matthew 18 and to come privately in an attempt to see uh, repentance and restoration in in a way that, that honors God and protects one another. And then lastly, we saw the expression of this love, to show hospitality to one another without grumbling. This morning, we will look at the next two of these six ways that we are to live in light of the return of Jesus Christ, and they come in verses 10 and 11, and that is that we are to serve others and glorify God. We're to serve others and glorify God. So altogether, we're to be self-controlled and sober-minded. We're to keep loving and show hospitality, and we are to serve others and glorify God. To help us move through these verses, we'll be guided by a sentence that will serve as our outline. So if you're a note taker, you can write this down. This will serve as our outline as we move um, through these two verses together. Um, Here it is. You have been gifted grace to be a good steward for the glory of God. You have been gifted grace to be a good steward for the glory of God. Peter says it this way in verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. It's important to know that while we've separated these out into different sermons, they really all flow together. And they are flowing out of this command that Peter has given to love one another. If we are going to use our gifts to serve one another, then we must first love one another, right? That makes makes sense. If you don't love each other, if you don't love people, then you will not want to be bothered by them. You will not want to be inconvenienced by them, and you will not serve them. That's called self-love, not an earnest love for one another. But love and service go together. When you love someone, you're willing to serve them. You're willing to meet their needs. Keep loving one another earnestly, Peter says. And in doing so, show hospitality willingly. And as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. That's what Peter commands of us. Now, while we were studying 1 Corinthians together, we talked in depth about what these spiritual gifts are that we have been given. Peter says, verse 10, as each has received a gift. These are spiritual gifts that we have received. As we walk through 1 Corinthians, we look at... um, what those gifts are as as Paul gives them to us. But just by way of reminder, if you were here, just so you know, if you weren't, 
Um, when, when Paul uses this word for gift, when Peter uses this word for gift, it's, it's the same. And it is the word charisma. It is the word that, that comes from the word grace. Grace. These gifts that, that Peter says that we've been given to serve one another, these gifts are the grace of God. These gifts are the grace of God. That's why I say we have been given grace to be good stewards for the glory of God. These are grace gifts. These are gifts that come out of the grace of God. Uh, Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have all the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. The gifts that God gives us to serve one another are gifts that come out of the grace of God, that are empowered by the grace of God, and that minister the grace of God to those that we serve. If we prophesy in proportion to our faith, if service and our serving the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. All of these flow out of these gifts that are given that differ according to the grace of God given to us. This is why I say you have been gifted grace. You've been gifted grace. Peter says... As each has received a, a gift, as each has received grace, a graced gift. Now notice this first word here in verse 10, as. Here's what that means. That means that in the same way you received the gift, you use that gift in service to other people. That's what that as means. As each has received a gift, Use it to serve one another. Now, how have we received these grace gifts from God that enable us to serve one another in the grace of God? How have we received them? We have received them freely and we have received them lavishly. That's how we've received them, right? We've been given them as a, as a gift. From God. They've come to us freely. Here's what that means. That means that we did not do a single thing to earn, to deserve, or to merit the grace of God. Amen. Not a thing. God didn't look down and say, man, I'm telling you what, that Jason, he's sure, he's pretty talented. He's got it going on. I think I'm gonna, he's earned some stuff. Let me give him some stuff. No, he looks down at me and he says, that dude's crooked deep down. They're all crooked. They've all sinned. They've all fallen away. 
Their, their mouths are empty graves. There's nothing good in them. They do not seek me. But yet out of love, I have sought them. Out of love, I've came for them. And I have lavished upon them a grace that they did not earn. A grace that they did not deserve. And in that grace, I have gifted them with abilities and passions to serve one another as instruments of my grace. How did we receive these gifts from God? We received them freely when we didn't deserve it. Here's what that means. We're called to serve one another in the grace of God, even when they don't deserve it. As each has received a gift, in the same way that we've received a gift, so we serve one another. We didn't deserve them. This is why this is grace. This is why this is grace. In the same way you've received these gifts, serve one another with these gifts, freely, lavishly, out of love, serve one another. Notice what else Peter says here. As each has received a gift, as each has received a gift, here's what that means. That means that every single one of us who have, by faith, received the grace of God, have in the grace of God, received giftings to serve one another for the glory of God. Every single one of us. If your faith is in Jesus Christ, if you've received his grace, with his grace comes gifts. Every believer has received a gift of grace to serve each other. Paul says it this way, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 4. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterances of wisdom... And to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Every believer has spiritual giftings from God. Here's what this means. Just at least three things. We, we could be here all day talking about that. What, what that means. Here's what that means. Three, at least three things. First, every one of us has a place in the church of God. Every one of us has a place in the kingdom of God. Every person. Every person who's been gifted the grace of God, has a place in the kingdom of God. Every one of us. Secondly, every one of us is needed. Because if you have a place, if you have been sovereignly gifted according to his his will, grace and gifts to serve one another, then you have a place. And if you have a place, then you are needed 
in the kingdom of God. You are needed in the family of God. There, is the, there does not exist in the kingdom of God an economy that says we will prize some over others. That exists in the world. That does not exist in the kingdom of God. There doesn't exist in the kingdom of God this, this mentality of, well, we are only interested in the most talented. No, we understand that the grace of God that comes to every believer comes and brings gifts according to his sovereign will. And he empowers each and every believer for a purpose and a place in each and every local congregation that there is. And so you have a place in the church of God, in the kingdom of God. You have an ability, a calling that is needed in the family of God. And you have been called, every single one of us, to serve others with those gifts. Every one of us, every one of us, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Now I want you to notice that there is no qualifier here. This isn't serve the people who are easy to serve. This isn't serve the people that you like. No, this is serve one another. Keep loving each other earnestly and let that love be shown in how you serve one another. Now, I know this can be hard. This can be difficult. I've been in ministry long enough and dealt with people long enough to know that this is, can be hard, right? Because sometimes there are just people that we don't mess with. And it can be hard to serve and to love people that maybe you don't like. But it's important to remember that when we are serving others with the grace that has been given to us, we're really serving Christ. Jesus says it this way, Matthew 25, starting in verse 34. He says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when do we see you sick or in prison to visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. As you have received the gift, serve one another. You have been gifted Grace. For what purpose? To be good stewards of that grace in service for one another. Peter says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's 
varied grace. Why has God gifted us grace gifts? He's gifted us grace gifts so that we would be good stewards of that which he has given us. Now, we don't really use the language of a steward at all in our culture anymore. I would probably venture to say that you've never heard or used that word except in the context of the scriptures. But a steward is someone, I just say that and say, if you don't know what a steward is, that's okay. The rest of the world doesn't know what a steward is. But a steward is someone who has been entrusted with the care of something that belongs to another person. That's a steward. Someone who's been entrusted with the care of something that belongs to someone else. Now, that means there are bad stewards. They do not care well for what's been entrusted to them. They do not develop what's been entrusted with them. Jesus gives uh, parables of this, that there are those who've been entrusted with things, and they squandered it away and they lost it or they buried it in the ground and they didn't do anything with it. These are bad stewards. And then there are good stewards. Peter says we're to be good stewards. What are good stewards? Good stewards are people that care well for what's been given them. They develop it. They nourish it. They use it for its intended purposes. This is a good steward. We have all been entrusted with grace gifts. Gifts to serve one another. They do not belong to us. They did not originate in us. They were not earned by us. They were simply entrusted to us, given to us by our master. And he gives them to us so that we would be good stewards to develop them, to nourish them, and to use them for the master's desired outcome. That's a good steward. A good steward who is who takes what's been given to them and they use it for the desired outcome of the one who gave it to them, not their own. This is what God has called us to. This is a good Steward, 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. How should we be regarded? We should be regarded as stewards of the mysteries of God. What is the mysteries of God? The mysteries of God is how the grace of God would be given to the entire world. That's the mysteries of God. And we are now stewards. And it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Peter says that we are to be good stewards of God's varied grace. Now whose grace is it? It's God's grace. It's not our grace. It's God's grace. It belongs to him. He's given it to us as a gift. And what kind of grace is it? What does Peter tell us? He tells us that it is a varied grace. Of God's varied grace. This word for varied is the word for multifaceted or manifold. 
What it means is that God's grace is rich and it is varied. His grace is rich and varied. And that means his gifts of grace are rich and they are varied. There are different kinds. There isn't one kind or type that is more important than the other. Though they all may be different, they are all equally important. Paul makes this point, continuing in 1 Corinthians 12, picking up in verse 12. For just as the body is one and many members, all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of the same spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong in the body. That would not make, any, make it any less of a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong in the body. I think this is a Baptist body. <laughs> that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would it be a sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would it be a sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. You have a place. You have a purpose. As he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you, nor the the Head to the feet, I have no need for you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unrepresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. Now, if you're wondering if you're one of those unrepresentable parts, just ask me, I'll let you know. Which... Our more presentable parts do not require, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that its members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. This is why Peter says, as each has received the gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And then Peter gives two examples of broad categories of spiritual gifts. These are just broad categories of spiritual gifts. And Peter highlights speaking gifts and serving gifts. Peter says it this way. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. See, here's what Peter's doing Peter's saying that each and every one of you have been given a gift. And just as you were given that gift freely because you didn't earn it, so you give that gift freely when they don't earn it to serve them. And be good stewards of God's varied grace. 
knowing that there are those gifts that seem more highly prized than the others. Because what do we do? We say we esteem, we prize these speaking gifts, but yet we don't always so highly esteem those serving gifts. But Peter says these are all grace gifts, all given by the grace of God. And whether the giftings that God has given you is a public speaking gift or a private serving gift, you're called to be a good steward of it. We don't say, well, you know, I can't get up and and teach. I can't get up and preach. I, I can't sing. I can't play an instrument. I can't teach a Bible study. I just don't have those giftings. I'm just not as important as those people in the church. I mean, those people are needed in the church, but I don't have those gifts. I'm not needed in the church. No, every person is needed. Every person has a place. Every person's been gifted grace and called to use that grace to serve one another. Be it speaking gifts or serving gifts, all are just as important. The one who cleans the building is just as important as the one who preaches to the building. There is no distinction in the kingdom of God. We have been gifted grace for the purpose of being good stewards towards the end of the glory of God. This is what Peter says. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Now remember what a good steward is. A good steward is someone who takes what they've been given and uses it for the desired outcomes of the one who gave it to them. That's a good steward. So follow the logic. We've been given a gift of grace. And it came to us from whom? God. And we've been entrusted with it to be good stewards. And in order to be good stewards, then we must use that grace of God For God's desired outcome. And what is God's desired outcome of all things? His glory. His glory. If we are to be good stewards of the grace that God has given us, then we are called to use those gifts for the glory of God. The Westminster Catechism says it this way, that the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Forever. Church, we have been put on this earth. We have been saved by grace. We have been gifted grace for one great end. And that is the glory of God. Because everything that God does is for 
his glory. Everything. Why did God create the world? God created the world for his glory. Why did he put the stars in the heavens for his glory? Why did he create man and woman? Not because he was lonely. Not because he needed a friend. Not because he was a puppet master missing his puppets. He created us for his glory. Everything that God does is for his glory. And he has called us into this great mission to bring glory to him. And Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Now, if God does all things for his glory, if God calls us to use the gifts that were given to him as good stewards for his glory, then we have to ask the question, and you should be asking, how then is God most glorified? Right? Well, Peter tells us, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Because to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. How is God most glorified? God is most glorified in the person of Jesus Christ. That's how God is most glorified. In Jesus Christ. Jesus is the glory of God made manifest to us. John says it this way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is Jesus. This is the one that we celebrate. This is the one that we remember. This is what Christmas is about. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came witness to bear he came to bear witness about the light. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. When Jesus Christ stepped into this world in bodily form, 
What he did was reveal to us, make manifest to us, the glory of God that had been hidden throughout the ages. Do you remember what Moses asked of God? God, could I see your glory? And what's God's response? You can't. You can't and live, Moses, you can't. But I'll hide you in the rock and I'll cover you over and I'll pass by you and I'll let you just see the train of my robe. That's all you can bear. That's all the glory you can take. The earth waited and groaned and desired to see the glory of God and the glory of God became manifest in the Son of God. God is most glorified in Jesus Christ. And we use the gifts of grace given to us to serve others in love so that through our lives, God might be glorified in Jesus Christ. We love Jesus Christ. We serve Him. We submit to Him. We worship Him. We treasure Him. We honor Him. We obey Him. We celebrate Him. We give all we have for Him because it is to Him that belong all glory and dominion forever and ever. They are His. He is the glory of God. And we love and we serve For his name, we love and we serve his church. We love and we serve his children. And we do it for his glory. Because to him belong all dominion and all glory. Not just then, not just now, but forever and ever. And then just right in the middle of it, Peter says, Amen. Amen. Church, do you know him today? Do you know him today? The hymn goes, you cannot turn him away. He is the glory of God, Jesus Christ. He is the image of of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, that in all things he might be preeminent. He is the glory of God. Do you know him today? Because you were created for one great purpose, and that is the glory of God. And the only way to bring glory to God is through Jesus Christ. There's a lot of talk these days about finding your purpose and living out your purpose. And I think there's a lot of believers who are walking around wondering, well, I wonder what my purpose is. I'll never have fulfillment until I know my my true and lasting purpose. Church, here is your purpose to bring glory to God. It comes through Jesus Christ. If you don't know him, And what you need to know is that all dominion belong to him. That means he's the Lord of everything. And he stands and he demands to be the Lord of your life. And to know him, you submit to him. You humble yourself before him. You admit your need for him. 
and you put your faith in him, do you know him today? Are you living for him today? Are you serving others for his sake today? Remember what Peter says. The end of all things is at hand. So we're called to be good stewards of God's very grace. Serving one another out of love for the glory of God in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you for listening to this Christ Central Church sermon series. To find our gathering location and more sermons, visit ChristCentralChurch.net.